0: comedy is tragedy plus time plus an expensive focus group and also an overworked social media manager welcome to triple click where we bring the games to you this week we talk about pranks goofs and whether brands can be funny because it's april 1st so everyone's a comedian not us though we've never told a joke before and we won't start now i'm maddie myers
1: I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. 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 Hello to both of you. Happy
0: April 1st Happy, to everyone. It's just April 1st. That's, that's new just month. another regular day, April 1st. Nothing strange is. is happening. And no. speaking of not strange things that you could do on this day, <laughs> just a super normal thing you could do is become a MaxFun member and get access to our bonus episodes and you could do that by going to maximumfun.org/join and you could find a whole backlog of us talking about spoilers for video games like Call of Duty and what else have we talked about control uh, help me Final out Fantasy here, 7 Final Remake. Fantasy 7 Remake. Plus, we
2: talk about our yes. personal lives. Yes, we just We just talk do. about our video game canons and movie canons and mm-hmm. TV canons. Mm-hmm. And so Sometimes we it. talk
1: about movies. We did a good one on time loop movies. There's a oh, lot yeah. out yeah. there. There's there enough is. that I've forgotten some of them. <laughs>
2: there is so much good bonus triple click content mm-hmm. up in there, I will say.
0: But you gotta be a Max Fun um, member. And it's
2: only possible because of our supporters. Yes. It's true.
0: It's true. It's true. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're gonna no. talk about April Fools. And <laughs> yes, we
2: are. How we feel about it? Yeah. So I was just thinking, you you starting the op- episode by being like, "Nothing's happening today." Made me think of last <laughs> year's April Fools. How uh, during it was just when the pandemic was starting, and everyone mm-hmm. just kind of collectively agreed, like, "Oh yeah, we're not gonna do anything." Well, almost like, everyone. Yeah, pretty yeah much,
1: a now lot of people.
0: The pandemic is still happening, and I kind of still feel that way. <laughs>
1: Even yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a dicey year, so, and I, I did do an April Fool's joke last year, and it was the result of some deliberation, but I'll talk about that maybe a little bit later.
0: Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do a historical deep dive into April Fool's in the video game industry and on the internet in general, but mm. before I get into all that history... I wanted to ask each of you, what do you think about April Fools as a holiday? I guess I can go to you first, Kirk, because you did do an April Fools joke last year. I
1: did. Yeah, I had an episode of Strong Songs coming out on April 1st, and I was like, I'm going to do a joke because I wanted to, and I had planned it a long time before there was a pandemic. And then even when the pandemic came along, it still was like, I think it's a pretty good joke and wound up doing it and I think it was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. I have some thoughts about like what makes a good April Fool's joke, even though Mm. there's no set formula, because it's really hard to do a good April Fool's joke. I thought you were gonna
2: say even though there's no such thing as a good April (laughs) Fool's Well there there may not be. And (laughs) I think that
1: may be the conclusion that we come up with, though I was pretty happy with how that joke went. Like, almost everybody thought it was funny. A couple of people were like, oh, man, this bummed me out. Mostly they didn't. Wanted
0: a real episode, etc. Yeah, Yeah,
1: right. And then they got a real. So I have a couple of thoughts on that that are specific. But just broadly, what do I think of April Fool's? Man, I think I think I actually prefer the version of April Fool's that has been co-opted by corporate culture and has just <laughs> become a kind of eye-rolling dumb thing that we're all just a little over that just is a little bit cringy and a little Mm -hmm. stupid to the version of april fools where you actually like fully prank the people that you love (laughs) and like really mislead them and tell them you have cancer or whatever and then like i mean that's extreme but but really like fake people out because as potent as that can be i don't know a whole holiday built around deception is a little bit dicey
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree. Jason, what do you think?
1: <laughs> well, so first of all, I will say that one
2: of my favorite things in the world, one of my favorite pranks in the world that I've done to a few people was to, uh, this is like 10, 15 years ago, was to <laughs> post on, get a get a couple of other people and myself post on a friend's Facebook wall. Oh my God, congratulations. Like, we're so happy for you. Like, you finally tied the knot and um, see, <laughs> <laughs> watch,
1: watch what happens. That's that's fairly um, funny. That's a funny prank.
2: The darker version of that is R.I.P. and you got a few friends that like start posting R.I.P. on someone's Facebook. That's a little less these. funny. I feel
0: like both of these are, are abysmal, but these jokes, are not. But, but <laughs> these are
2: not like appropriate for April Fools because if you do them on April Fools, it's all very obvious. It's only um, too obvious. True. Um, but um you got to do it when you're
0: genuinely going to mess with people and make right them if you're feel going to prank weird someone, and confused you have to do
1: it right. There's something to that that the true prank is better if you just do it on a random day <laughs> like yeah, having a course. date designated yeah. for it is just sort of weak to begin with. totally yeah, um, that's true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> also, Maddie, I will. Say, I think that the R.I.P. one is horrible. Yes, but the <laughs> engagement one—that I think that is in good. Place.
0: I feel like it has the potential to go horribly wrong depending on the person's situation. Depends though, on the person. which is like yes. this is always the thing with pranks. Is like, what if the person's having a horrible day, or the prank right. is somehow related to something you right. couldn't or their relationship is in about. serious
1: trouble? Yeah, like, and you, wh- yeah, you
0: could never know, but.
2: I, I but no, we did. We it was it was to a specific person, one of my closest friends. Yes, he was single, and you knew and it would be it, fine. It, it worked. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I knew. yeah, I would only prank people who I knew know will not get mad at me for it. But anyway, we're going widely <laughs> way off track. I think here. that's how this episode um,
1: is going to go. <laughs> yeah, um, that's
2: fine. April Fool's in general. So I'm actually with you, Kirk, in that I think it's a really stupid day for pranks, and like I've seen. All of the different sides of this, like people have tried to prank us at Kotaku as reporters, yeah. um, and send us fake news, um, which is just silly in today's day and age. I've seen actual journalists, like public fake, publish fake news and participate in April Fool's jokes to try to prank people, and it's all so dumb. But I really, really appreciate. Um, a meticulous, well-thought-out, big-budget, high-production-value April Fool's joke that's clearly a joke, but done in a way that it just makes me say, wow, this is cool. And a few of the big corporations have have done really good attempts at that over the years, and we'll talk about some when you go through your history, Maddie, that you put together, Google, Blizzard. Mm -hmm. But the one that I want to highlight that you reminded me of today, Maddie, when you were putting together your list was IGN's 2008- Zelda movie trailer, which is still incredible. I just rewatched it today. It is astounding. (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, It is is like this amazing short film almost. That's a trailer for a movie based on Ocarina of Time. Isn't that amazing?
0: (laughs) In 2008... it was. I don't yes. think that by twenty twenty one standards it's that great. It just looks like a regular fan film, some pretty good CGI in there, especially by two thousand eight standards. Why I now? have not
2: seen anything like this to date. So yes, I think it's amazing still. Mm-hmm. Um despite your skepticism. <laughs> for-
1: well I I guess I, I don't mean to be a hater. I but I rewatched it and it, it just it has a lot of the hallmarks of the video game fan film. Like yes. it shows the entire plot of the movie. It's just like a, a real Zelda trailer. But I don't think the goal
2: I think they made it pretty clear especially at the end they put like see you April 1st 2008 or whatever Mm -hmm. you
0: say that but it was not clear. Like, if you go back and read these comments from people, people absolutely thought that was real. And there are comments from people to this day on that video talking about <laughs> how they are angry still that this was <laughs> not a real movie and that the yeah. creators of this fan film didn't go on to cut the footage together into a real movie. And there are people still demanding that IGN and Rainfall Films, which is the production company behind it, put together a film based on this. Which is like, you what is that why? like
1: YouTube? comment anger or is that like real anger? I mean,
0: yes, of course. But I but I think there is some veracity to it because I, I do think that 2008 was a different time for the internet. So when I was putting together this timeline, I was trying to find the first ever examples. I think the true first ever example of high profile April Fool's jokes probably goes to Google. I'm sure there are earlier ones than that, but I'm talking about your big deal, splashy April Fool's jokes by actual companies. Google's been doing them, multiple ones pretty much uh, every year since 2000. And the first example examples I could find in video games were 2004 in RuneScape and Gaia online. They both had basically prank gifts that you could buy in the worlds of the game. This was Mm -hmm. early days for the internet where you could have a really small joke. And just the idea of there being a gag gift in a video game was really funny and cool and would get shared a lot. It's, it's not quite like how things would become in the mid two thousands where Blizzard would start getting in on it in 2006. But Also in 2006, I wanted to highlight what is probably my favorite example of this entire list, which is a GameSpot article that was a joke prediction article saying that the Nintendo Wii would win the console (laughs) wars. And it includes quotes from fake analysts who make fun of each other for siding with certain consoles. And it describes the motion controls, which were kind of known about at the time, but when this article was written, it was back when it was just called the Nintendo Revolution, which was the, the Wii's code name at the time. And Mm -hmm. so the joke was like, of course, the Nintendo console is going to be super low powered compared to the Xbox and PlayStation consoles. Like no one's going to care. It's not going to be anything. And it like describes the the TV remote shaped controller, (laughs) like almost derisively. And it's it just feels like a real article if you read it now. Like I was reading it. I was like what's the joke here? Like, how could this have possibly been seen as a joke at the time? But if you scroll all the way back on the comments, like the very first comments on the article, which are still there, are all people mocking the article and being like, this will never happen. But then the most recent comments, which people can still leave to this day, are people being like, this entire article came true. And that trajectory of like the full almost 400 comments is... It's incredible.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, this is a different time for video yeah. game journalism. It was. <laughs> I think yeah. like an April Fool's joke prediction is an extremely dangerous game to play for oh, exactly yeah. that reason. It's that you, no matter what outlandish thing you're like, it would be so funny that this impossible thing, if this impossible thing happened, it'll never happen. But then you're you're really tempting fate, and I think. I don't know. I mean, I don't believe in fate, but at the same time, <laughs> the kind of thing does happen.
2: Well, sometimes they go over so well that uh, that like, <laughs> game companies actually convert them into real things. Mm. Oh well, that's mm.
0: another thing, which is probably a good example to do next. So, Blizzard also started doing April Fool's Day gags in 2006. And Jason, you seem a little more familiar with some of these than I am. If if you want to list any favorites, but the first one in 2006 was six was a joke character. Uh, The two headed ogre that you needed to play with another person and it would randomly select a stranger who had to play the Mm -hmm. character with you, which is like Mm -hmm. absurd and ridiculous. And like, why would you play a World of Warcraft character that had such a high barrier to entry? Um, But they've been doing them pretty much every year. And I, I think some of them have actually become
1: real. kirk from the future here just chiming in in to say that we had this kind of a back and forth it was a little bit confusing about the fact that blizzard did in fact make a two-player two-headed ogre that was a playable character in heroes of the storm so that is an example of something that blizzard did where they took an april fool's joke and then they made it real the whole conversation was a little bit unclear about that though and it was just kind of confusing and i couldn't edit it into a way that it made sense so instead i'm just going to take the brute force approach and bing my way in here and tell you all that we did mention that and you should know that because that's really funny and cool that they did that. Okay. So Jason's going to pick it up and talk about another example of Blizzard doing the same thing. Back to the show. Bing. So in 2002, Blizzard puts up this joke that is,
2: uh, it was uh, Warcraft three was about to come out and, um, they were, they, there were four races and they were like, hey everybody the fifth race to Warcraft 3 is the Pandaren and it's a race of like ninja mm. panda um, samurai panda and uh, it was ridiculous at the time um, and then they left a Pandaren Easter egg inside of Warcraft 3 and then they turned Pandaren into an actual race within the right. Warcraft universe I remember people and, like, talking about that when that happened there was an entire expansion called Mists of Pandaria in World of Warcraft mm-hmm. that introduced everybody to the Pandaren lore and now Pandaren are a real thing so yes right. Blizzard has a long history of like adding their April Fool's jokes into actual games.
0: So then in 2008, uh, there's the Legend of Zelda movie that we already talked about so we can skip over that and then 2012 I feel like 2012 was when things were really kicking into high gear when it came to (laughs) multiple brands getting in on April Fool's but also fans getting in on April Fool's and trying to prank people as well with a high profile video game concept so the first example I have here is as far as we know made by a fan and not made by Gabe Newell but who, could, who can truly say right, what, what happened right. here? So on April 1st in 2012, there was a fake Steam store listing for Half-Life 3, notoriously non-existent video game Half-Life 3. A lot of people thought they could actually pre-order the game, but it was actually uh, redirecting to a version of steampower.com that had two Ps at the beginning of Powered. And it took people like a weirdly long time to figure out that this was <laughs> fake and not like Valve playing a prank I, on this them. This is
2: like right when I started at. Kotaku I remember this that's right
0: how did it go in the newsroom that
2: day I do, that I do not remember. It was way too long ago, but I do remember when it happened, and I remember seeing the URL and being like, "Wait, what? people are falling for this?" Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Like, we didn't fall for it or anything like
1: that. Yeah, I mean, my memory of being at Kotaku when I just even when I first started, which was, I guess, a year before that, was that every year before April first, there was a sort of site wide memo <laughs> saying everybody. Yeah, I think
0: we had like a Slack notification a week ahead of time or something mm-hmm. that was like, don't trust any news that comes out this week. If something seems too good to be true or just weird or doesn't pass the smell test. Not that we're not skeptics all the time, but the last week... Before April 1st is is a seriously weird time.
1: Bing! Hi everybody, Kirk here from the future, the real future, the post-publication future. We made a mistake in this episode, and we all thought that the Assassin's Creed Connect video that we were about to talk about was put out by Ubisoft. It's a really, really funny video, but as it turns out, it was not put out by Ubisoft. So I've trimmed a bit of this conversation where we were theorizing about Ubisoft's motives and making fun of the Connect, because Ubisoft was not making fun of the Connect, so that doesn't really apply anymore. And it is also kind of this sort of underlines one of the points that we were trying to make, which is that the brands themselves aren't funny. And this is one of the funniest April Fool's videos I've at least ever seen. And it wasn't actually made by Ubisoft. So credit to the people who made it. It's really, really funny. Props to all of you, Anna. Apologies for the error. The edited conversation carries on from here.
0: Bing! Um, But there were also some pretty cool, uh, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. high-profile, high-budget April Fool's pranks that happened in 2012. One of my favorite ones was (laughs) Assassin's Creed for Kinect, supposedly making a version of Assassin's Creed that you could play with motion controls. And I'm just sad this isn't real, because I feel like 2012 Kirk Hamilton would have really enjoyed this video game.
1: I don't know if I would have enjoyed it, but I would have (laughs) definitely played it and written about it for Kotaku. This video is hilarious. We'll link this one in show notes, too. I'm not sure if I watched this when it aired, but I watched it just today and mm-hmm. it was I was laughing out loud watching it because I think that this is a very, this is a, an example of a very good April Fool's joke for a few reasons.
2: Do you want to describe the video
1: a so little bit? So in the video, it starts and it's like Ezio talking and then it shows people like in one of those Connect ads, you know, where it's like the camera view of the living room and it's this like Benetton ad, perfectly diverse group of young people like and one person standing there. At yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. at a like, they're all you know, like sort of blocked perfectly, so you can see them each, and they're all watching. Yeah, this like one.
0: a musical theater set. Right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it has that sort of anodized look, that Ubisoft look. And then one person's getting ready to play, and it starts, and it's like they're doing dramatic Assassin's Creed motions. So like the woman <laughs> is like going hand over hand, and then on the screen, Ezio is going hand over hand, and then she's like one guy's like fighting, and it's like Ezio's like fist fighting, and it matches up with his fighting. And it's like you're like, okay, these are things you could do with the connect And then it cuts to this woman, and she's just on the ground, huddled in a little. Ball and then it cuts to the screen and it's just like the the like stack of hay <laughs> and like Ezio yeah. is just hiding in the hay. There's a guy just, like,
2: doing the leap of faith and like <laughs> everyone around. Her. Well, he it keeps, keeps escalating. escalating. Yeah. And so
1: then she's like jumping around and she jumps to the right and just like falls into her table and destroys well, it. Well,
2: the best one is the loading screen. They show the loading screen and yes! the guys, and the, guy's or the, like the woman running is just around running around in circles. The
1: oh, that's screen? another really good yes. one. Yes, is like the loading sequence of Assassin's <laughs> Creed where you can just run and she's running in circles, which was a long. Love of mine is the Assassin's Creed loading screen, and then it shows the final shot as this guy slow mo doing a leap of faith, and like, it's just like it shows the leap of faith in the game in that dramatic way that the trailers show it, and then it shows this guy in front of all his friends like fully jumping in a way where you know he's going to land hard and badly, and then he, of course, he lands off screen, but all of his friends are like, oh, (laughs) like (laughs) oh my god, shit, (laughs) yeah, and it's the end of the ad, and it's just that is a really funny ad.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the final shot of the ad is actually a joke about the Wii mote, though, where they say it's coming to the Wii controls as well. That might not be in the version of the video I showed Uh, you, but it was basically just like a generalized joke about the idea of using motion controls for a video (laughs) game, which I think became like a fairly common joke for April Fool's Day for these companies because it's like the idea of video games getting more and more immersive, whatever that even means, and the, the supposed appeal of that is just considered funny I guess I don't know so just something else that happened in 2012. So Google Maps, Google had already been doing a bunch of uh, April Fool's pranks for years by this point. I think this is the first year that you could argue they made a game-like thing. And they they did a mm-hmm. uh, makeover for Google Maps where they worked with Square Unix and basically made an 8-bit 4NES version of Google Maps, except it's like not real and you can't actually get it. And then in subsequent years, uh, they did some other updates to Google Maps where they did uh, a Pokemon version in 2014. And Miss Pack Maps in 2017, mm-hmm. and I mostly just found this funny because it made me think about how, of all the Google products, Google Maps is perhaps the most game-like, like in terms of things that you can add a video game skin to and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, there are waypoints. Getting around the world is kind of game-like." I, I don't really feel like you yeah, can. Yeah, man. I
1: mean, Google Earth in VR is maybe the best VR game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's... it's a good one. So. I, I don't know. I feel like Google might have been able to come up with some other better versions of a game that they could do, but Google mm-hmm. Maps being a video game seems fun and lighthearted as opposed to mm-hmm. a prank. Well, the
2: Pokemon one is funny because this was two years before Pokemon Go would come yeah. out and show the world that like, wait a minute, actually Pokemon and sort of Google Maps, <laughs> but like in in the real world essentially is mm-hmm. is uh, is pretty, pretty sensational. Yeah.
0: yeah, but I would say though that these aren't fully pranks. It's almost like, like I I think it's fun but I don't know that I would describe it as a prank or like trying to trick you into believing something like I don't think there was anybody who was deeply angry that Pokemon was involved in Google Maps on that day
1: no it's just a cool thing
0: yeah so
1: I think that, like, the the best way that, a, that a, a joke like this can work is that it starts straight and then it becomes ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The thing about the Assassin's Creed joke is that it starts out and they reveal to you that they're making Assassin's Creed for Connect. And you could kind of believe that it was real at first. Like, the first maybe 45 seconds of that video, it looks real. It, it's If it weren't on April 1st, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess Ubisoft is doing this. And then it just gradually reveals itself to be a joke. I think that's a really great way to do a joke. Mm-hmm. There are ways you can structure these things that work well and there are ways that you can do it. it's just like a ridiculous announcement right off the bat and they're all and they all kind of start to feel the same like i was reading through a lot of these kotaku posts where there's just so many of them that they start to feel the same because it's the same joke over and over again Mm -hmm. where there needs to be some element of prankiness to it some element of misdirection for the joke to work you just need to quickly reveal to people that it's a joke and then do something creative with it the way that the assassin's creed trailer like then they're showing all these increasingly ridiculous uses for the game
0: Yeah, I'm going to skip ahead slightly to the PlayStation Flow ad from 2015, because I don't know if you watched this, Kirk, but I think it's very similar to the Assassin's Creed Connect ad in the sense that it creates this mock version of like a PlayStation peripheral, which PlayStation has plenty of peripherals. So that's sort of inherently mockable in and of itself that there would be yet another one. And it, it's like you strap it on and you go swimming with it so that you can mm-hmm. go swimming in a video game. And like it's VR goggles plus on-body <laughs> peripherals, like motion sensors. So you're like swimming mm-hmm. around a pool and like Joel's swimming around in The Last of Us or, or whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. that's completely absurd, but it's also not at the same time. Like you can sort right. of imagine a version of that product that actually exists, but why on earth would it exist? And it combines... Uh, The same type of humor that you're talking about with like starting with something that feels almost realistic where like you see the peripherals, they're doing the Mm -hmm. same style of introduction that they would do for a real video game peripheral and you're like, okay, it seems kind of weird, but then they just get more and more hyperbolically stupid over the course of the video, but it's also corny, because it's brands. I mean, this is, Mm. I feel like, where I slightly disagree with you, Kirk. Like, I have fun watching these, but I'm also always like, this is a little bit dumb at the same time.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, like, brand April Fools is cool and I like it. Not at all. Like, I totally find this whole thing, like, cynical and exhausting. Like, there are occasionally ones that I think are really funny. Like, the, Mm -hmm. the Assassin's Creed one is very funny. When I think that it's important, like, there's also an important distinction between... Just doing a joke on your friends, and you know, a big brand trying to do a joke where they really just like want you to like them, like like joking the <laughs> podcast feed of your of your like independent podcast is one thing. Oh yeah, and like <laughs> that, <laughs> that is okay. Something fine. Yeah. I'm thinking about a joke. <laughs> okay, there was a joke from a couple years ago where <laughs> Anthem, the game, the subreddit, they changed their header to just be the Division Two, <laughs> and they like changed their whole Reddit so that it just looked like it was the Division Two Reddit, and that's really funny because. You go to the Anthem subreddit and you're just like, wait a minute. You like think you went to the wrong one just for a second. <laughs> and then you like have to just be like, wait, what? And then you get it. And you're like, oh, right. Because like Anthem is not very good and everyone's playing the Division 2 right now. And that was kind of the joke because they're being like, fuck this game. <laughs> and like, and it was the people who ran the subreddit who did it just as a joke. And mm-hmm. that's funny because it's first off, it's like making fun of a game company. It's being done by people who play the games. Mm-hmm. And it's a good joke. Like that's a really funny, clever, like misdirection that confuses you and makes you laugh. It isn't just a big brand being like, and now, like, whatever, we're launching a new game on the moon. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and like, yeah, like, but I I don't think that that's cool. It's just that I I think the thing I said at the very beginning about finding this preferable to the version of April Fool's where people are like legitimately like faking one another out and doing like hardcore pranks to one another. That's kind of intense as well. Like, mm-hmm. I guess what I really like are the middle ground things where it's just independent people making funny jokes on their own and usually making fun of video game companies and not trying Mm. to sell anything. Okay, but counterpoint, I think some of the video game
2: companies have done some good ones that aren't trying to sell anything. For example, um, last I think it was last year or two years ago, um, one of Blizzard's was just that they added googly eyes to all the overwatch characters and just like you're playing overwatch and everybody Mm -hmm. has googly eyes like sometimes just like stupid tiny things
1: can just like of course bring a
2: little bit of joy to to your life that day
1: there's an interesting distinction i think we're centering on and that's that the jokes that are done in the game are definitely funnier Mm -hmm. like when it's a joke for your players for the people who are using your product that's Like that's actually a lot more fun than when it's just like we have an announcement on Twitter, which feels a little just more generally like marketing because it is marketing. It's like fake marketing, but that still kind of feels like real marketing. And you're like, okay, well, this Mm -hmm. is all marketing where that is a good point that if you're doing googly eyes in the game that people are playing, that's just like a fun thing you're doing to delight your players like that's great. Yeah,
0: I think it's also true, though, that by doing an April Fool's joke, no matter what company you are, you're inherently signaling we're a fun company, we're a cool company, like we devoted <laughs> mm-hmm, some resources that. to this. So you are uh, helping your company's brand by doing something like this. Yeah. As long as the joke goes well, like that, you're also playing with fire at the same time, because you can risk looking cringe, for to yes, use the parlance mm-hmm. of the times. You can risk looking like the stupidest company ever if you screw it up. And that. At, well, that's know.
2: why they all have focus groups and months of market research before. <laughs> so, what do you guys think is worse: April Fool's jokes from brands or brands trying to be cool on Twitter? <laughs>
0: They're both both are the same thing. though, There's so arguably. much overlap.
2: Yeah, this Venn diagram. Well, but but Maddie, uh, brands trying to be cool on Twitter is. 365 days a year. <laughs> that's a great um,
0: point. Yeah, that's true. I
2: keep seeing the Twitter account for Steakums, the brand Steakums and I blocked it on Twitter because I don't want to see it anymore, but it's like very much like this edgy millennial brand trying to be super cool on Twitter and mm-hmm. and it just makes me sick every time <laughs> I see it. And yeah. there have been all these articles about how cool they are. Look, Steakums has revolutionized tweets. Like same with like Arby's or whatever. Like all these game brands. Are these are these uh, fast, fast food, food or whatever brands yeah. yeah yeah
1: well arby's is like all games on their twitter feed but yeah right yeah that's what's, it's, an, its own whole thing where those are usually being run by like one young person on the mm-hmm. social media team who happens to have a brilliance for social media who mm-hmm. probably isn't getting paid enough for yeah you know, how much how much work they're generating and they're kind of just doing it all on their own which has a new that has a different layer of like Exploitativeness to it compared to, Mm. you know, a bunch of people at Ubisoft workshopping a big elaborate joke that they're all going to put on. That's true. That's a good point. That at least is like a large effort that happens once. Where the whole like, let's just hire a young person and just let them loose on our Twitter feed and see if maybe they can become a viral sensation is just kind of a separate thing. Yeah, mm. it Fair can point. be hard
0: to tell the difference, though, because I think some examples like Google partnering with all these game companies like those are examples of partnerships between these really big brands. And we can sort of envision that as a, a huge undertaking by a whole bunch of people who decided to do this partnership and and launched this fun gimmicky thing. But, like, the Arby's social media account is also that same way, I believe. Like, they're partnering with game companies to make, like, a Monster Hunter sculpture out of a burger wrapper and the other, you know, gimmicky things that they do Mm -hmm. on that account. So it's like this young person probably writing the social media tweets about it, but they're being told by their boss, most likely, hey, we've got a Monster Hunter bit this week, so come up with some jokes about Monster Hunter because Capcom's paying us, or whatever it is. And, I don't know, that, that means that the work is actually invisible like you don't really know how many people worked on something like this but the point of it is that the end product looks really shiny and fun and approachable and that's I don't know I'm a cynical person so it's hard for me not to view well you know
1: I think there's something to this that like commerce is the death of comedy in a lot of Mm. ways like (gasps) the minute when Jerry Seinfeld gets up on stage and just tells jokes about stuff it's just Jerry Seinfeld telling jokes. I mean, I, I guess maybe you think he's funny, maybe you don't. But like, pick pick your comedian. When Hannibal Burris gets up on stage, <laughs> I'll pick someone who's more generally that everyone agrees is funny and tells jokes. You think it's funny. I think they're both funny. I mm. do too. Um, but um, but uh, <laughs> but Hannibal Burris gets on gets on stage, tells jokes. He's a funny guy. But if Hannibal Burris gets on stage at like the Delta Airlines official comedy tour and then huh. he's being paid by Delta and all of his jokes to are like jokes about, about air airline travel. Food. Yeah. Wow. Right. Well so wait a minute. <laughs> What's the deal? Exactly. <laughs> Airlines. <Yeah>. Classic <laughs> yes. Hannibal Burris joke setup. What's the deal with I
0: think I would watch this actually. What you just described sounds dystopic and maddening, but I actually would check it out because
2: <laughs> Or or it's an in flight Delta video and he yeah. has to like talk
1: about Delta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making shows. Yeah. I feel like that might be an in flight. I mean, not Hannibal Buress but somebody like. Oh, that. yeah. In flight. Yeah, well, Virgin Airlines has weird. like yeah. tons of ridiculous Yeah, They like, also have the one with the like really annoyingly catchy song. I can't remember how it goes now. Vir- where, like, I
0: think Virgin is the one that, that's Virgin, that does it. They have like memes and stuff in their in flight
1: They have memes in their thing. There's a yeah. song. It's like a whole music video where like a yeah, little like, baby yeah, comes out got, at one point yeah. and starts rapping. It's a, the video about putting <laughs> your seatbelt on. And yeah. Stuff and it's like, like an actually very catchy song. It's like, fuck, how does it? Go. it's like you
0: can put in a clip here
1: it's got a like gospel thing yeah i'm gonna find a clip and i'm gonna bing my way and we're gonna no because it'll get stuck <laughs> in everyone's head bing i found it. it is indeed the virgin america takeoff safety song it's really stupidly catchy and i just don't think that i'm ready to subject you all to it To complete the point I was making, you can imagine either of those, like that, those two comedy scenarios. And one is just a person trying to make you laugh. And the other is a person trying to make you laugh and their reasons are just a little bit suspect to you. And that Mm. ruins the humor because there's just like a natural connection that happens with humor when it's just an honest thing between people. And it's the same on Twitter when someone's on Twitter just being funny because they're funny, like pixelated boat. That whoever runs that Twitter account, like they just make yeah. like yeah, funny jokes. Yeah, they're
0: pretty funny. Drill, pretty good account. I don't know if you guys have heard of it.
1: <laughs> so then, if pixelated boat tweeted like. You know, oh, the new Far Cry hashtag Far Cry hashtag ad like looks whatever and made a joke. You'd be like, no, that no, that's not funny. Right. So you know, yeah. it's, it's an important difference there. I think. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. what
2: you're describing sounds like journalism too, where there's like a level of trust and baseline expectations, and then like mm-hmm. it's very easy to ruin that with with an Commercing. ad or something like that. Yeah. Journalism
1: yeah. and jokes sort of similar. In a certain it way. is. It is very similar. There's a level of integrity. Because
0: journalism is a joke, am I right, folks? Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it is
2: when journalism sites do April Fools jokes and that fake news. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: If we've learned anything from this 2006 GameSpot story, it's it's that it's a cautionary tale and journalists should not be trying to tell, tell jokes. Ever!
2: The <laughs> funny thing about that is, like, that was a time when, like... Everybody was very into console wars, even gaming yes. editors. And they would all wear their, their allegiances on their sleeves. And they were like fans that like IGN was separated into like IGN Nintendo, IGN PlayStation, IGN Xbox. And it was very strange. It was like that that, if anything, helped cultivate this toxic, like... Console mm-hmm. war mentality where all these people were just like, Yeah, the Nintendo is doomed. Nintendo is failing again. Look at them going. There was also very much like an element of gatekeeping to the whole Wii era because people were pissed that the Wii was trying to reach like non hardcore gamers. And mm-hmm. I think you saw a lot of that bleeding into like this article and stuff oh, like that. Oh,
0: yeah. There was a lot of sexism, a lot of sexist jokes about the Wii at the time as well. But I mean, it's also true that like the Legend of Zelda trailer we just talked about, IGN put that up. And it's like kind of hard to imagine them doing something like that now.
2: Yeah, I was going to say before, I think despite what... Yes, definitely hard to imagine them doing it now. But I think at the time... I might be misremembering this, but I remember it being pretty clear. I remember when this when that aired for the first time because I was into gaming news at that point. I was in college and I remember f- like feeling like, oh man, this is super cool and oh, this is like clearly like their April Fool's thing. It's not like them trying to prank people. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. I could be misremembering this, but I remember really enjoying it as opposed to being pissed off. Yeah, it, although it I
0: think that's more just a sign of your natural skepticism, though, perhaps. I mean, I, I think it different people approach approach these types of things with a different lens and when
2: you're a reporter you're just skeptical of everything you see so yeah yes. nothing is <laughs> nothing
0: is real there's never going to be a zelda movie or show that's never going to no. happen it's cursed no it's
1: really the the creed of april 1st is um, nothing is true and everything is for <laughs> it's, it's so <laughs> oh, god <care>. so
2: <laughs> true <laughs> the thing about April 1st in today's day and age is that it's like, it's become even sillier and stupider because so much of the internet every day is trying to navigate what's true and what's fake. And there's yeah. such a proliferation as opposed to even five years ago, it was so much less like that. But these days, like, like five years ago, you'd go on the internet and you, there would be fake stuff, but it would usually be quarantined to like certain areas of the internet where you can believe it. Like 4chan, like everything on 4chan, you know, is going to be mm-hmm. fake. But or like the onion or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fake, clearly fake places or you could but 4chan in the sense that people were doing it in bad faith as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to be satirical um, but these days you go on Twitter and like a guy is claiming that shrimp is in his cinnamon toast crunch and it's like this is probably fake um, and <laughs> a lot of people will fool for yeah, it yeah
0: but like you never really know yeah, yeah, yeah
2: you don't really know because this guy knows that he can go viral and get a ton of attention and like there's a lot of like uh, reward that you can get from craft this fake story, and so it's like April Fools is every fucking day on the internet, and we're all just trying to navigate and try to figure out what's real and what isn't. Like everybody's telling these embellished stories and getting real legitimate attention rewards for it in the attachment economy, and yeah, it's it makes April Fools just feel like a big wet
1: fart. Wow, you've you really brought me down here, Jason. Yeah, I say. we're getting so
0: existential on this episode. I, I, how, I how am I supposed to, to transition into talking about dating Sims, Jason? How am I supposed to get to the final point on my list here? Well, I, no,
2: that's a good way to to, to cheer us up. No, I, I I'm not a pessimist in general, but I am a skeptic, and I think it's like in in a world of today, like today, I think you have to be very skeptical. No, I'm everything.
0: with you. I'm
1: yo uh, no, you. no I, I of course I hear you, and
0: I I agree. I do even in making. This outline, I did kind of feel like commerce and these big brands are actually making April Fool's less fun. I never thought April Fool's was that fun. I'm not a very good sport about pranks, but I'm willing to admit that certain kinds of pranks are pretty good. I think Rick Rowling is funny. For example, it's a harmless prank in my eyes. I also think that Rick Astley song is actually pretty fun to listen to, so I've
1: it always is. seen that prank is no, pretty yeah. harmless and I fun. I might do a real episode about it one
2: day. Yeah, point. I was hoping Kirk would do a real strong yeah. songs about it. Yeah. yeah,
0: so like, there. that's that's a form of prank that I think is fine, But but I do think it gets kind of weird when companies are using April Fool's to advertise themselves or their brand. Like I can quickly mention Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon started out as an April Fool's seemingly trailer, but then turned out to be a real game that had its own Mm. release schedule that was leaked in mid-April. People realized it was a real game. And I mean, that's a fun release strategy for a game, but it's also like, well, you also could have just released this as a game. Like it's it. They just took advantage of April Fool's in order to, to market this game and. That's fine. I do think but... that's
2: a pretty fun subversion yeah. on the on the typical. It's
0: not a prank, though. Really, you can
2: kind of you can do it once. Yeah, like you can it's... do it
1: once, and they did it once,
2: and it worked. Well, with a
1: game like Far Cry 3: <laughs> Blood Dragon, I think it exactly. Fits. Well, the game itself is as you're playing it, you're like, I can't believe this is real. <laughs> like, right, the whole time you were playing it, especially at that time.
0: Do you want to explain what it is, Kirk? Since you probably played it at the time as a I Far Cry did. guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, this was when, so Far Cry 3 had come out and it sort of Mm -hmm. revitalized the series. Far Cry 2 was the divisive, beloved by some people with great taste, but, you know, not beloved by everyone game. Far Cry 3 had made the series really big, but it was before it was like, there were a lot of Far Cry games and there weren't these weird spinoffs. And then they announced this game, Blood Dragon, that just looks like this total, like, 80s synthwave, like, neon purple and pink, like, cyber-everything-ridiculous-looking, like, game that's just set in, like, Tron meets mm-hmm. I don't know Commando or some Schwarzenegger it's movie.
0: 2007, but it's the future. That was right. The, like the, the cutscenes are all in this yeah.
1: really old looking things. Yeah, all the the writing is really tongue in cheek. Uh, this was
2: before, it should be noted. Far Cry went into like aliens and yes. weird shit. Like this is when Far Cry. Right, that's was what grounded. I'm saying.
1: Like it was it was still a very a grounded series. I mean, Far Cry Three like has a lot of drug trip sequences and some weird stuff, but it's still a pretty grounded series. And and this game is ludicrous, and it is a very 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 funny game like it it has its you know it has its issues and i don't think i've finished it but there are a lot of jokes and it's a joke game like it mm-hmm. it's one of those games that is constantly telling jokes and joke and like playing jokes on you it's got that kind of saint's row energy in some ways like the whole tutorial you have a robot in your head and your guy who's played by what's his name michael bean from like terminator who like <laughs> is just so pissed off that this robot is making him do a tutorial and you have to like jump and he's like oh my god i know how to jump and it like keeps making you jump and it glitches out and you have to like do sections like sections of the tutorial over and over again so there's like a whole it's it's funny. It is funny. I remember like being like, "This is cute," and it doesn't feel like it should exist. And the fact that they announced it on April first, like it totally seems like an April first, like an April Fool's joke, like a really elaborate one. But it definitely seemed like a joke. So the fact that it actually became a real game, like I, I'm with you, Jason. I think that it is funny. But you also, you only get to do that one time. And sure, yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad and time for them to have up. done it. Like yeah. it, it worked. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. So I'll just make one final point at the end here, which is about dating sims. And so in 2015, I'm sure there are other examples. I just picked a couple notable ones. Harmonix did a joke dating sim April 1st thing called Romance Central, which is kind of like a dating app meets Dance Central and their other music games. And then People kept kind of making this joke over the years. And then I believe the most recent one is from 2020. It's the Smite dating sim, Dream Deity, which is like a play on Dream Daddy, a real dating Mm -hmm. sim. And I remember the reaction to that one being pretty different because I feel like in the past few years, the perception of dating sims has changed a lot and people have stopped seeing them as a joke inherently. Like the idea that somebody would play or mm-hmm. be interested in a dating sim is like, Oh, it would be so funny if our, our hardcore game about men was also a dating sim and people found these men attractive. Like, wouldn't that be so funny? And it's not actually that funny to imagine something like that. And I remember mm. the reactions to this Smite dating sim being pretty different and a lot of people being like this joke doesn't really work anymore (laughs) and we kind of need to punch in different directions now that the games industry has changed over the past 20 years. Yeah, extremely right. Yeah. yeah, well,
2: that's a good thing. It's good that the reactions have changed. Although I will say, I think that like it could work if it's a game that takes itself super seriously in the first place, yes. because then it's not the joke isn't like oh, dating sims are so silly. The date is this. the The joke is this game is
1: so silly that mm-hmm. as a right. dating sim, it would clearly be preposterous. Right. Yeah, figures like, of war dating sim would be funny. Right, on its face. It's all in how right. you tell the joke. Like,
0: except that would also rule though. I mean, like, I feel like the other issue right. is like if yes. <laughs> if your joke game should exist blood dragon style then maybe it's not a great april fool's joke because it should but exist. that's the
2: problem with a lot of the jokes we mentioned that's the yes. problem with like a lot of blizzard stuff is that it got too cool and like <laughs> it was too too many things over the years that blizzard has done and been like this is same with google same with that like pack miss pac-man on google that should exist yeah Miss pac-man on google
1: yeah has. the joke works better when it's like the way that everyone would announce a battle royale like that's mm-hmm. a funny joke i mean it's a kind of a basic joke but it's funny because it's like making fun of the trend of everybody releasing a battle royale Where like right. that's it's not battle royales are the thing that are funny it's just like there are so many of them where right. the dating sim it's just so easy to lapse into like it's just funny because the whole idea of a dating sim is funny for reasons and like yeah then, right, yeah, yeah, you, yeah kind of gone into bad territory
0: yeah. Well, anyway, it's important to remember that brands can never be funny. And I think we can just leave it there <laughs> for the yeah. day. Yeah. Or you're Brands Fool's. are
1: not your people friends. are funny, brands are not.
0: People are funny. Individual people are creative and funny. Brands suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> and that's that. Um <laughs> let's take a and break. And here I
2: thought you wanted to end on a positive note. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Uh, let's well. take a break and we'll be back with one more thing.
1: Hey, it's John Moe, and look, these are challenging times for our mental and emotional health. I get it. That's why I'm so excited for my new podcast, Depression Mode. We're tackling depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, the kinds of things that are just super common but don't get talked about nearly enough. Conversations that are illuminating, honest, and sometimes pretty funny with folks like Patton Oswald, Kelsey Dara. And open mic eagle. I have his public
0: facing self, and then I have my emotional self that tends to stay hidden. It was about finding a way to communicate to somebody that, like, there's terrible shit going on back here.
1: Plus, psychiatrists, psychologists, and all kinds of folks. On Depression Mode, we're working together, learning, helping each other out. We're a team. Join our team. Depression Mode for Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard, and we have no advice, but we
2: do see you doing it. Honk if you like to do it. <laughs> what was, didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, yeah. honk if you did it? That's what it was. I think was. it was honk if you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we not ever make those? those we are did make them.
0: Did I think they're make- still in the Max Fun store.
2: <laughs> honk, honk.
0: You're doing it. <laughs> Thanks, Viz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Hong Kong. toot, toot. And we are back for one more thing. Kirk, what are you up to?
1: I'm playing a video game. <laughs> cool. I wow. you about. It's a little game called Monster Hunter Rise. Heard of and it. And I really like it a whole lot. And um, now I'm going to tell everybody about it. Uh, Jason, you're playing this as well. You've played some. Yeah,
2: I'm going to need to text you constantly asking for how. That's fine. I have no idea how to play this game. But yes, Mm -hmm. the barrier for entry is very high. Quite high. high, So,
1: okay, Monster Hunter Rise. So this is a game on Switch. I'm playing a version that I got from Capcom PR. I've had it for like about a week. I got it like a day before it came out. So I haven't had a ton of time to play. People who reviewed it had it a lot longer. And it's a big commitment of a game so you need to play a lot to really know what's going on i'm not a monster hunter like super expert i had played a little bit of i can't remember which one like three or something on the 3ds or maybe four ultimate
2: then you play some worlds i think you well, so, monster New World.
1: yes um so then i played a ton of world world was the mm-hmm. one that i played hundreds of hours of and got really into i played it on ps4 and then again when it came out on pc a year later um, and played just, like, so much of it. I played a lot of Iceborne and um, liked that as well, though I didn't finish. I've heard it's good, but I just sort of was like, okay, I don't have time. Um, these games take a lot of time. They're just games where you go into the world and fight huge monsters. Um, that's basically it. I mean, there's a really Monster simple Monster Hunter
0: is what it's called, and that's what you do? <laughs> right. Huh. It does okay. what it
1: does what it says on the tin. Um, <laughs> the, they're made by Capcom. It's a long-running series. It's very... Um, it's got a lot of cruft. It's got a lot of different ways of playing. It's a very complicated game with an extremely high skill ceiling. If you go on the Monster Hunter subreddit and look at videos of people playing you will see some anime shit. It is amazing how good people are and especially at Rise because of some of the new things that they've added. I'm like mediocre at best I just run in and kind of hit the monster in the face over and over again and then get out of the way. Um, the combat kind of works like Dark Souls. It has a bit of that sort of animation locked. You're fighting a big thing. You've got to be really careful. You have a stamina gauge and, and kind of have to... You can't. It's not like a beat-em-up, like Devil May Cry or something. Hmm. It's it's much more strategic. But important difference, there's no target lock. Ooh. There's not, and the controls are pretty weird because this was a, was a long time where these games were only on mobile, so there was a while where there was no right thumbstick when you would play them, and then... World kind of added full controls and this this game is a lot like World in a lot of ways including the controls but I think it could use a control update or overhaul it could use some more custom options I think
2: yeah you can't customize all the controls it's like a weird menu where you can swap some of them it's very strange you
1: attack with what would be on an Xbox controller the Y and B buttons the up and the right hand buttons which is just weird because I'm so used to doing it with X and there's no way to make it so you can do it with X Mm -hmm. and you can't use the shoulder buttons either like in a Souls game that's a whole separate can worms so this game i I guess that kind of highlights a bigger thing about this game which is it is i think a pretty welcoming game just like world was it's a lot like world it looks like world there are some skins and, and and enemies that just carry straight over from world it really like has the same rhythm all the same rules there are some new elements but it's 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 pretty similar. It's like a Switch version of World. It's going to be on PC, I guess, next year, which is also kind of weird. So it's like going to be only on Switch and then it's going to come to PC a year later, which is, I guess, kind of what happened with World 2. But there's so much like stuff that's really specific and immobile that you have to get through and get your head around with this series. Like there's so many systems. There's all this management stuff you can do with your buddy and your animals that go out with you and your gear, you know, like Leveling up and getting better gear is this whole complicated progression system. Learning the like way that you fight and loading up the right gear to take with you into a fight is like really complicated and takes a lot of time. And it's just not easy to understand at first. You have to read a lot of guides. There's a lot of pop-up menus that are kind of constantly coming at you in the beginning. And they don't do a great job of actually getting you into the game. You sort of just need to play like... A lot, like 10 hours or something. Yeah, so you need to sell us sell Sonic because what you're describing all sounds <laughs> well, so awful. I'm, I'm like. getting there. Um, and there's a reason that this all is sort of worth getting through if, if you want to, like if you want to play the game. And that's that there's a lot of complexity to this game and it's very rigid in all of those ways. But because of that, it has like a very specific and very distinct way that it feels when you're playing it. And once you get your head around it, it gives you so many options options like you have so much possibility for the way that you can do a fight it's really dense i mean there's like all these different types of weapons each weapon is its own thing like there's melee weapons there's ranged weapons there's like a hunting horn that like plays songs when you do different attacks with it that buff that buff people and it's also a multiplayer game so you can play in parties with your friends and like the more I play, the more I realize just how rich this game is. There's so much there, despite the very simple core loop. If they simplified it and it was like, just go fight the monsters, the combat's basically like Demon Souls. It's like kind of just, you know, complicated-ish, but pretty simple. And then you just get better gear. It would just lose something. Like it, I can imagine that it's very hard for them to know what to shave off and what to simplify, only because they've been going at... They've been going at it for so long, they've got it really balanced and figured out to where, like, this huge, like, number of weapons all work really well— and if you can get over that initial hump you can get really into the game and the thing is lots and lots of people have done that and these games are really really popular and as a result like they don't really need to like welcome new people like they're not trying to welcome new people in really like I think they're just trying to make games that lots of people want to play
2: they don't need to it sold 4 million copies worldwide or something like that yeah like world was like
1: ludicrously popular and I think a lot of people like me did get into it because you can if you decide to and I think everyone can see how much fun people are having be like this seems like it's worth getting into, which it totally is. So, um, I uh, I have a million more thoughts. Let me think. Oh, the most important thing about this game is that there are dogs in it now. (laughs) Yes. um,
0: Palamutes.
1: And you can ride them. Yes. And you can ride... So, I have Appa, my golden retriever, in this game and I'm running around with Appa fighting huge monsters and then I can ride her around like a horse (laughs) and that... Rules. There's a lot of stuff in this game that's much more mobile. You have these things called wire bugs that you can use. Kind of like a, there was a thing that was sort of added to Iceborne that felt similar, but it's like you can like bungee your way really quickly up to an enemy, and then or if you get knocked down, you can like pull yourself out of danger and you can climb walls. You can like run up any wall, you can like go straight up any surface and just all the way to the top, which is just there's a level of verticality and movement in this game that's never been in. Well, that hasn't been in a Monster Hunter game that I played that certainly wasn't in World. And as a result, Again, it, like, raises the skill ceiling a lot. You can get super good with that thing. And watching videos of people playing, like, there's just some amazing stuff that people are doing, like, flipping around and flying through the air and, like, countering monsters, like, right in the face as they do this huge attack. And it's, like, so dramatic. And it is exciting. It makes me want to, like, get even better at the game. Even though I am just having fun being, like, moderately okay and just leveling up and kind of working toward high rank. And I know they're going to be adding stuff throughout the year. So I'm really, really liking it. It's awesome to be able to play it on Switch. Like taking it and just playing it on the couch, even, is like just really nice for this kind of game because there's a lot of repetition. You kind of just have to get into that loop, and it's uh it's a really good game. So I'm sure I'll talk about it more for my one more thing, just because I'm going to keep playing it. It's very yeah. good, but yeah, a, a definite endorsement from me so far. I'm having a great time.
0: All right, cool. I'll go next because mine's really quick. So I was moving to a new apartment this week, and I had no time to do really anything other than listen to audiobooks Muzzle while top. I packed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Congrats to me. A whole new host of background noises for Kirk to edit out in this place. compared to <laughs> no, our places. Um, anyway, I listened to a bunch of really dumb books and like low stakes podcasts because I was stressed out enough because I hate change. And one of the really <laughs> stupid books I listened to was this book called Incomparable by Brie and Nikki Bella, who are two female wrestlers, the Bella twins. They okay. wrote a book about their lives and they talked about the reality show that Dina and I got really obsessed with during. In quarantine which is called total divas and there's also a spinoff called total bellas these are very trashy shows about wwe drama <laughs> i love them and i loved this book that's also a somewhat serious book they do talk about some of the parts of their past that were uh, pretty dire they had an abusive father they you know mm-hmm. were on the other end of racism and sexism when they were part of the wwe they talk about all that stuff and overcoming those trials but mostly it's just corny feel good uh, girl power stuff that i nice. really Enjoyed listening to while I was packing. Nice. So yeah, that's me, Jason. How about you?
2: Girl power. Okay, so I am um, reading a book that Kirk is going to immediately uh, purchase as soon as this <laughs> oh, as soon as this podcast. I already is. Bought,
1: I bought your cooking book from last week already.
2: Uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. Um, you will not regret <laughs> it's buying it's that. It's gigantic. One. It's so big. It's like it's great though, right? It's
1: This huge brick. Yes, it is good. Anyways, go ahead. So
2: um, last year, two years ago, something like that. Um, our former colleague Joshua Rivera recommended My that I check out My current colleague! He works yes, yes. Again. <laughs> recommended that I check out this um, book series called The Dandelion Dynasty. Um, mm. And it is an epic fantasy series by Ken Liu. The first book is called The Grace of Kings. And I recently started reading that. And the reason God, he recommended it... Jason, is this
1: going to be a huge fantasy series that I'm going to have to read because it's awesome? Mm-hmm. The
2: reason that he recommended oh. it to me is because it's a lot like sweet in the jrpg series that i love (laughs) which is like this amazing political Mm -hmm. uh fantasy series and i won't get into sweet garden because because i've done that many times in the past but i will get into this book series because i just started it i'm only like 200 pages into um the grace of kings and it is incredible it's like god this it, it does this amazing job of building this world and it's very much like this um Chinese flavored fantasy world that's set on this big series of islands and it's all about emperors and dynasties. The main plot is that there are these seven um, kind of tribes or factions on this island that have all been conquered by one of them and turned into this empire against many of their wills. So yeah, so the book so when the book starts, there's this big rebellion and you meet all these this amazing flavor of the like these cast of characters. The two main characters um, are these guys, one who's like the descendant of a wiped out tribe of, of warriors and he's like eight feet tall and has double pupiled eyes and he seems <laughs> wild. And then the other guy is this degenerate, um drunkard gambler bandit dude who like winds up uh, uh like caught up in forces and is way smarter than he seems. Anyway, it's this amazing story that I'm watching unfold. Like I said, I'm still very early in it, but nice. the way that it's told is so brilliant because what um, the author Ken Liu does is he just zips between all all these different characters to kind of create the sense of the world. And we'll tell these almost like biblical fable, like stories about each one to give you Mm. like unravel their past. And they all just have these amazing backstories and fascinating, like little mini stories within the larger plot. And it feels very much like very biblical, very mythological. I'm sure there's a lot of Chinese uh, literature that, that, has inspired this um, because it's just awesome it's I love it and Kirk you're gonna love it too I know you are Uh, so the first book is called The Grace of Kings I'm sure there are people out there who have read this and seen the entire thing and I'm still very early so don't go writing in with spoilers or anything but I'm really really enjoying it Um, also I will say that it's it's uh, I think it's worth supporting if you're out there and if you're into fantasy books and you've never heard of this one you think it sounds interesting I think if it's worth supporting Asian American authors of whom Ken Liu is is one, um, given the current climate in America and the recent uh, rise of anti-Asian-American violence. So that's just an added bonus. But you don't buy the book because of that. Buy the book because it's awesome. And you happen to also be supporting a really good Asian-American author, whose other book, a book he translated, The Three-Body Problem, was also recently recommended to me. So I got that too. But First, The Grace of Kings, I'm reading, which is really, really good. Go check it out.
0: Cool. All right. All right. That has been another episode of this show. We played it straight it. the entire time. No, no jokes. jokes. No <laughs> jokes on this joke. show. Totally unfunny. Well, Triple show. Click
2: is known for not having
1: humor. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We yeah, are that's kind what of everyone, the, everyone, the says most about joke-free podcast. Anyway,
0: uh, that's it. We'll see you all next week.
1: Yep. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod. Send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Fund.org. Comedy and
2: culture. Artist owned, audience supported. So tight and keep your in that chair until we turn off that light.
1: of you who have never operated a seatbelt before.